1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us as we celebrate and honor the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on this Monday. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I'm blessed beyond measure. I hope you recognize that you are my producer tonight behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me, the great Jimmy Harper. To join us, 615-737-1045-737-1045. So there were two big football games played yesterday. I guess maybe I could start off here and just say, is it a faux pas for one of my close friends, one of my longtime friends, who lives a long way away where I used to live in South Carolina, to decide to get married on the day of the AFC and the NFC championship game? Had to be there, obviously, for him. Would crawl over broken glass for that guy if he asked me to. I'm there. I get to see the first quarter live of the NFC Championship game downtown with a couple of other people that were at the wedding. We were, you know, at a restaurant watching it. Then we had to leave, get ready for the wedding, which took place at 5:30 Eastern time. So basically, right in the middle, towards the end of the first game, you're basically going to miss both games. So what I've had to do is, after making the drive and getting back in the middle of the night, basically around 4 a.m get some sleep, wake up, work out, and then watch these games so that I can come here and talk about these games because a lot of things happen in these games. The two winners of these games are going to the Super Bowl. We knew that going in. I said, hadn't been a great year for me when it comes to predictions, at least in the NFC and AFC postseasons, and also I picked Alabama over Clemson. So, fittingly, I went 0-2 yesterday as it is going to be the Rams and the Patriots in 13 days at Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. I really want to talk about overtime, but I'm going to wait because I guess you have to talk about Nickel Roby Coleman and the play with Tommy Lee Lewis late in the game. So Roby Coleman interfered with Tommy Lee Lewis with about a minute 45 left in a 20 to 20 game between the Saints and the Rams. There is no dispute of that, but let's hear the call. This is coming from New Orleans. This is coming from the Saints. So obviously, their radio team saw this awfully quickly, and they were ready to pounce on it. But here's how that sounded. Third down and ten. Breeze from the gun. Takes a snap. Goes to the near side. Oh, hit early. Fair. Where's the flag? You don't get one. Early hit on Tommy Lee. Sean Payton is all the way down at the ten. Unbelievable no call. Wow. Not a flag to be found. Unbelievable. He early. He, that's the second time. You can't challenge it. I mean, he, he doesn't even look for the ball. Nikel Roby Coleman. That's the second time Nikhil Roby Coleman has gotten away with a play like that. He is four yards before the ball is there. Wait a second. Maybe not four yards, but I get it. In the moment, the Saints guy is going to be that way. Also interesting that the Saints play-by-play guy sounds a little bit like Drew Brees. That was sort of strange. And the color guy didn't seem to be nearly as enthused as he should have been because it was a egregious, blatant no-call. There's no dispute of this, folks. About a minute 45 left in a 20-20 to game. Neither coach disputes that it happened. 
The NFL calls uh, Saints coach Sean Payton to say, yeah, we, we blew that one. Sorry about that. Even the perpetrator of the crime, Roby Coleman, said he did it and said that he got away with it and indicated that he intentionally tried to interfere with Tommy Lee Lewis to draw the flag because he got beat and he needed to stop a touchdown on that play. This was as bad a no call as you'll see. This is objective. This isn't me talking subjectively. There's nobody within the sound of my voice that can say that was not a penalty. Nobody. Including the perpetrator, the victim, and everybody on the sidelines, everybody watching it, everybody broadcasting it, literally anyone with eyes saw how bad a call this was. Some are out here saying it's not just the worst non-call in NFL history, but the worst non-call in the history of sports. Now, I'd love for you to call me at 615-737-1045 or tweet me at jmartzone with other suggestions, but there's zero doubt how bad this call was. Unfortunately, that's the kind of thing that can happen in a tie game late because human error exists. I'm not going to excuse the call, but I am going to back the world off of something here. I'm going to back you off of how the Saints definitely were going to win this football game if the correct call were made. This didn't happen in the end zone. This didn't happen with 10 seconds left. The Saints would have had first and goal on the five, and yeah, they probably would have scored. I'd say they probably almost assuredly would have scored. Almost. But the Rams had a pair of timeouts, and even if they do score, the Rams probably have 35, 40 seconds or so. This was not just a foregone conclusion. See, I didn't see the play live, like I said, because I was at the wedding. So I look on social media, and people are losing their minds saying that the Saints were robbed, that had this call just been made, the Saints could have drowned out the clock. So I assumed, based on how it was being stated on Twitter, that the Saints had the lead, and that if this call gets made, it's a first down, and they can bleed out the clock, and that's it. That was not the case. It didn't decide the game because time was still left. This Saints defense is not exactly the Chicago Bears or the Baltimore Ravens, and Jared Goff was playing at a pretty high level in the second half after struggling mightily in the first half. So I'm not saying that that's the only reason that the New Orleans Saints lost this game, and I'm not alone, and this is what you would expect this guy to say and just about anybody in this situation, but here's what Drew Brees had to say after the loss. There's plenty of, I, th- I felt like, opportunities for us offensively that we didn't take advantage of, and so we knew this was going to be a battle. We knew it was going to come down to the wire. felt like there were some more plays that we could have made, so regardless of a call or no call, or I felt like there were other opportunities for us that, that I wish we could have taken advantage of. And he's right. And we'll talk about whether or not these calls are going to be reviewable. But there were people that were suggesting that the league should turn around and just hand this game to the Saints because of this call. Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk wrote an article that said that the league technically has recourse to just reverse this decision and award the game to New Orleans. Folks, have we lost our minds? How fair would that be? Bad calls happen all the time. And yeah, I agree. This is maybe the worst one I can at least remember. And in the spot it happened, in that situation, where two game, two teams are in the final 120 seconds of a deadlocked, dramatic football game, razor thin, where the winner and perhaps the loser's legacy are both on the line because the winner's going to a Super Bowl, the loser's not, and you're never guaranteed to get back there. Maybe you never get this close again. 
Drew Brees was starting to fall off a little bit in the last bit of the season. I'll tell you more about that in a second. So that's hard to take. But suck it up. If you watch sports long enough, your team is going to get screwed. And they're also going to benefit at some point from a bad call. I can point to some that I have benefited from and some that have killed me. Doesn't mean it's okay. It only means it's inevitable and it's realistic and it's going to happen. Mike Holmgren has actually come out and said in terms of review, always more replay. He said this famously because the technology can correct mistakes that 50 random fans in a bar can identify in less than a minute. So should these calls be reviewable? Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, two guys that have long been outspoken in favor of review on plays like this. In two seconds, this would have been ruled as DPI, as pass interference. Perhaps also a helmet-to-helmet shot on top of that. Both were clear as day. And you do have to be careful about how often you go out and slow a football game down. The idea, maybe in the final two minutes you can review it. I don't really love that because a PI call that could have led to who knows what that wasn't called in the first quarter in the end zone might also completely change a game because the strategy begins every play that then comes after that play might be different as well. This is the space-time continuum theory from Back to the Future, brought right into this show here on the Big Six. That's what we do here. Every play could have been different after that. The argument there is that if it happens early, you have a lot more time to potentially overcome a bad call. If it happens too late, you could be completely handcuffed and just out and out lose. Now, if you want the league to have the option to put a play under further review, I'd be for that. If you want to give each coach one challenge flag per game that you could throw on a judgment call, maybe there's an answer to be found there. But again, I'm reading Twitter after the call as I couldn't watch the game and wasn't able to see really what happened until today. And the response is the Rams are fraud. Decline the Super Bowl invite if you have any integrity. Hand the game to New Orleans NFL. Do the right thing. And then Florio writing this utterly ridiculous article. Now the CFL uses replay on PI. They added it to their regulations in 2014. It's been tweaked a few times since then because without question, one thing we learn in this life, especially as we get older, is that wisdom comes from experience. You can read about it, but until you experience it and go through it, you can't really learn from it. You can't learn until you make that mistake. Each coach in the CFL has one challenge at its disposal for this very purpose. In 2018... 42 defensive pass interference calls were challenged in the CFL. 20 of those were overturned, which means an almost 50% success rate. That's pretty good. And that doesn't really lead to the, this is disrupting the flow of the game argument, because that's not really disrupting because it's not that many times it's even happening. And one big issue for yesterday and the NFL, you've got to do better than this. Bill Vinovich, the referee in charge of this crew, he says after the game when he's taking a few questions, or when he puts out a statement, that at the time he put out the statement and was responding to this, he hadn't really seen the play yet. That is unacceptable, Bill. Why exactly are you commenting at all, taking questions on the one thing people are going to ask you about, or commenting on the one thing that people need to know in that situation when you know less about it than any one of the people that needed answers from it? To call that bad optics is utterly absurd. It's... A gigantic understatement. You got to see it. That's your job, Bill. And I, I, you know, I heard some people joking today. They said, "I hope Bill Vinovich has seen the play by now." I would assume he has. 
I'm not sure he should ever. I don't know if that crew should ever officiate a game again. On the screen, there were two guys looking directly at the play, looking directly at the contact. Neither one of them made a move. There were five guys that you could actually place blame on that were close enough to this that could have pulled out a flag in this case. None of them did. But you can stop with the, we need to just hand the game to the Saints. The Rams are frauds. That's where you lose me. Because the Saints, they had chances to win this football game. When we come back, I'll talk about that. I'm also going to talk about something that irritated me yesterday far more than this no call. And we'll take your calls. I see Colton's on the line. We'll get to you first when we come back. 615-737-1045. Big Six off and rolling here on MLK Junior Day as we honor his life and legacy here on 104.5 The Zone. The Titans name Arthur Smith, the new offensive coordinator. What will it mean for the Titans in 2019? We break it down here. Nashville's home for Titans football. 104.5 The Zone. Three decibels, and they're just getting started. As Zerline sets up for a 57-yard try to win the NFC Championship game. The hold is down. The kick clears the line. And Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. L.A. will play for the Lombardi. Greg Zerline from 48 in regulation and 57 in overtime. 26 23 it's over and the superdome is silent man i'd really like to say that was a good call it was not i don't know why we're saying superdome like we don't need the trail off after every sentence there but hey he was excited he was feeling it rams get the job done in New Orleans, this is the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. So that was a really bad call yesterday. That's obvious. A really bad omission. Maybe that's the better way to put it. It may well have sent the Rams to the Super Bowl, but that's dependent on the fact that the Saints actually would have had to score. Now, they would have been first and goal from the five. But even if they score, the Rams have a couple of timeouts. let's say the Saints get in on third down, they run it in. So then the Rams probably have 35 or 40 seconds left. Keep in mind, Zerline won the game with a 57-yard kick that looked like it was good from about 70. That's what Jared Goff said after the game to Chris Myers on the sidelines on the broadcast. And when I watched it, that was the cleanest 57-yarder I've ever seen because it did look like it was good from about 75. But we had also seen that the Saints had had trouble getting into the end zone in their own building yesterday and actually for the past handful of games. So let me talk about something else, though, but before I do that, because he waited through the break, by the way, if you want to join this program, 615-737-1045, it's not the transfer portal. It is the big six portal. Colton in Tullahoma first tonight. Colton, what's up? Hey, Jason, how's it going? Good, man. Hey, I was going to talk to you about this, the, uh, about kind of like a challenging, uh, overturning penalties, um, I kind of like the human element, actually, in some of the sports, uh, you know, particularly baseball, I guess. But I remember a few years back, the ball, that non-side kick that was actually recovered by Tennessee at the end of the game, but they called it back saying that they lined up offside. And I was wondering what you thought about maybe, you know, having, like, two challenges for something like that, you know, where you can challenge a penalty. 
I don't want to, you know, make the game last forever, but, you know, whenever it's this close to the end of the game and you want to make the right call and you have the technology to do it, you know, why not give, you know, an option like where if you have, just like your challenges you have in real in the in the games where if you if you get both of them right, then you'll get that third you'll get a third challenge. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on what we can do, like a practical solution to actually use it correcting these faults. Yeah, well, I mean, there's something to be said for that. Look, the technology should be able to get it right. Doesn't always. Many times, replay comes back, and we see we feel like we've seen one thing, and the officials come back with a completely different description that defies all logic. I don't disagree that maybe giving coaches maybe even a different color flag, I don't know, for a judgment call once a game is something that maybe should be taken into consideration or at the very least in the last two minutes of a half or at the end of the game, at the very least, the league should be able to stop and and look at a judgment call if it's that egregious. You can get into murky area because judgment calls at times are not usually. Look, this thing yesterday was so egregious that it makes us think that's the way it usually is. The problem with adjudicating a situation and taking this and extrapolating it larger is that usually it's not this cut and dry. Usually there is a debate to be had. You can try to debate whether or not Des Bryant made that catch years ago. There are always debates that usually arise based on calls. The problem for the league yesterday is that this was such an isolated circumstance where it could not possibly have been more obvious that a call was blown. In fact, multiple calls were blown. Two of them on that one play, helmet to helmet, should have been called. DPI should have been called. Neither were. But remember, judgment calls are judgment calls because they require judgment. And usually, they are not going to be that cut and dry as they were yesterday. Jimmy and Smyrna joins us next here on the Big Six. Jimmy, what say you? Hey, I, I just wanted to comment on, you know, that they did make some good calls yesterday. If you look at the overall way that the game was played, um, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. And the blatant calls, um, and it, the thing that everybody always points out is the obvious. Um, at the end of the game, I couldn't agree with, with everybody more. Yes, we all want to see the underdogs win. We all want to see the Saints and Kansas City playing the Super Bowl. Everybody's over the Brady era. But to look at this from an athlete perspective and to understand where does the accountability fall, um, I've heard other people talk on on the show this morning and say, um, does the head referee in New York take the fall for this? Um or do we do it like we do in the NFL? Do we start cutting people at the lower tier and then work our way up and say, hey, bring some of these NCAA guys in that have been calling games for 15, 20 years and let them work their way up, and I'll hang up and get your feedback. Yeah, you were flailing just a little bit there. You were talking about the two underdogs. Well, the Saints were not an underdog. They were the home team. Those were the two one seeds that you just talked about. Now, I, I agree with you in terms of anybody that's playing against New England in general – Unless you're a New England fan, at this stage, you probably want to see somebody else. I was dying to see Kansas City get in. I wanted to see Mahomes. I wanted to see that offense. I wanted KC and the Rams. And we almost got it. And I will talk about one of the reasons why we did not get it here in just a bit. But there are, I don't know, whose head needs to fall? Al Riveron called Sean Payton, head of officiating, called Sean Payton and said, look, we botched that one. We got it wrong. 
Sean Payton, to his credit, and I'm not a big Sean Payton fan because he just comes across in a way that is kind of tough to like, but I've never met him before either, so I can only base that on my observations. But Sean Payton said, look, I just don't want to see another team lose a game like we lost that one yesterday. I will again point out they still would have had to score. And then Zerline may have had another opportunity to tie it again. Now, if they get into the end zone and they're up six and the Rams have to go the length of the field, the chances are not good. But it's not a foregone conclusion. The game did not just completely end if that play had been called P.I., That's the one thing where I think people are jumping to a conclusion that I can't because I've seen a lot of crazy things happen in sports. And I know I'm not alone in that. Every single person within the sound of my voice has seen insane things happen in sports. In the final second, in the final seconds, we saw it this year. As a matter of fact, when the Chiefs lost to the Chargers, things, crazy stuff happens. Last year when the Saints got beat, the Stephon Diggs play, stuff happens. It wouldn't have just ended the football game. It would have given the Saints a prohibitive look for sure. Maybe 95, maybe even higher than that percent. They may have won the game, but it wasn't 100%. JC in Nashville next year on the Big Six. JC, how are you? Hey, I'm pretty good. How about you? Good. Hey, uh, so this is maybe a little contrarian, and let me take out the uh, helmet the helmet, which is also a judgment call for sure. But in terms of pass interference, I think that call is a little closer than we all like to say, like to think, um, and that is because I think the officials' placement, the uh, line judge and the side judge, I think that's what side it was on. They're right there on the line, and I believe what they saw was the ball being uh, parallel in terms of the uh, boundary line with the receiver. Therefore, he wasn't going to catch it anyway. That's one of my thoughts. But I think the to me the overall that can be improved with this officiating is having the same crews work together all year. That way they know what each other is thinking. They have that communication line is open. Cause just think if you show up somewhere at a job and you don't know anyone, you're afraid to ask a little bit. Yeah, you might know them, but you don't really know them. So that's why continuity in the official crews, I think could go a long way to helping what we see in the calls. Also, Arthur Smith, I think is a good hire for continuity sake for the Titans. Thanks. All right, yeah, maybe I'll mention a little bit about Arthur Smith here before we move on. Appreciate you uh, chiming in there. 615-737-1045 is the way to get us. we got a couple of people on hold. we got Ethan and Jay. Let's go ahead and take our break now. We'll come back. We will, we will hear from you. We'll lead off with Ethan and Jay's phone calls. And then I've got to get to something that made me much more irritated than the no call yesterday. Agree to disagree that he would have made the catch or not made the catch, rather. I mean, we saw Alshon Jeffrey miss a catch last week, yes, so he still would have had to complete it. But that ball was dead on. Like, that was going to be a catch. We'll be right back. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. 104.5 The Zone. Nashville's home for the Titans and the NFL is headed to Atlanta for Super Bowl Radio Road. Tune in beginning Tuesday, January 29th for a full week of coverage in the wake-up zone. Midday 180, 3HL and Big 6. As we report live from Radio Road. Presented by Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery and the Loti Center. You never know who you'll hear from on Radio Row. Players, coaches, actors, and more. Coverage from Atlanta begins January 29th on 104.5 The Zone. Brady under center. A give to Burkett. Runs it left for the win! Touchdown Patriots! And they're bound for Super Bowl 53! What a call, Sosi! We're going back, baby! And there ain't nothing you can do about it! America's worst nightmare is back! We're going to our fourth Super Bowl! 
Super Bowl in five years. Pack your bags, store our buses. We're coming home, Boston. Oh my God, can't believe it. It's not their year, right? It just might be. It just might be. Yay, the Patriots going back to the Super Bowl. Apparently Howard Dean is their color analyst as well. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. I got a rail on overtime coming up, but uh, let's take a couple of calls. Ethan in Clarksville. Ethan, what's up? Hey, I just have um talk about that call. Mm-hmm. I'm not a personally, I'm personally not a Saints fan, but as a fan of football, I cannot believe how disgusting the outcome. I cannot remember a more disgusting outcome of football than that. And this all falls on Goodell. He heard pleas from multiple coaches to tell them that they need to review like pass interference and such calls. So with that in mind, there is a pen or a a thing in the rule book as brought out by Michael Thomas talking about that, um, that they can redo or whatever. Um, if you're familiar with it, I was just wanting to see what your opinion was on that because I, I know the Saints shot themselves in the foot a lot. But as I cannot imagine how those fans could possibly feel as me not being a fan of the Saints to know just how disgusted they feel right now. I don't disagree that that is a tough way to watch what was a very good football game in terms of the drama. And the tweet from Michael Thomas, who's at Can't Guard Mike, which happened to not be apropos yesterday to how he played as he was basically taken out of that game by Wade Phillips, is Rule 17, Section 2, Article 3, which I do not have directly in front of me, but I will pull that up and talk about it here in uh, just a second. Let's go to Jay in Antioch real quick first. Jay, what's up? Hey, guys. I was just going to say, uh, to me, I, I really think it's on Roger Goodell, but in a way where you need to be training these referees. If you're going to be coach or refereeing these high-profile games, you need to be uh, watching clips of previous calls that may have been controversial or may have been turned around, such as the Dez or anything other. So for me, the NFL is a big stage, so you're going to be a ref. You need to do your homework on play calls and what what is what is what and what is not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, these guys have other responsibilities in their lives, certainly. But you can you can definitely come out and say, look, we need better officials in the NFL. I don't know where they're going to come from. The guy that said, hey, what about these college guys? Have been doing it for 15 years. Have you ever seen social media during a college football game? You ever heard people rail on the ACC officials, or the Pac-12 officials, or the Big Ten officials? There's not a whole lot of great referees out there. It's a thankless job. It's not a job you want. It's almost like being a place kicker. Only time you ever notice them is when they've done something wrong. That's a tough way to go through life. If you do things right, we're not going to notice you. If you screw up, that's going to be on you. And what Michael Thomas was tweeting about is actually something I was talking about earlier. Rule 17, Section 2, Article 3 is labeled penalties for unfair acts. States the commissioner has the power to impose the reversal of a game's result or the rescheduling of a game either from the beginning or from the point at which the extraordinary act occurred. Michael Thomas is basically saying we need to either go back and play the end of the game again or you just need to award it to us. Uh, Sorry, Michael. That is not going to happen. So again, I said it was not a foregone conclusion that they were going to win, meaning the Saints, just because of this call had it gone the right way. The Saints should have blown the Rams out yesterday. They should have. And that 
is what I want to talk about. Drew Brees in his last six games, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Did you know that? Seven touchdowns, five interceptions. He has trailed off badly, and it actually charts back to the loss against the Dallas Cowboys. They lost to the Cowboys. This has not been the same offense. Not at all. The Rams took can't guard Mike on Twitter away yesterday. And the Patriots took Tyreek Hill away. Those two, in their first meetings against the same opponents they played yesterday, combined for over 320 yards receiving and 19 receptions and three touchdowns. Yesterday, zero scores. They combined for less than 80 yards. So they got shut out, basically. The decision Sean Payton made to throw on first down. Payton says, and other people on the staff said it happened because they had, they did have a run called. Then they saw that Wade Phillips was dialing up a blitz and decided to audible to a pass. It did not work. And so you've got your clock management questions because right there you have Sean Payton. And this is one of the reasons why I have a little bit of an issue with him is because of how aggressive he can be. He's always the guy who thinks he's smarter than you. That's why he's using Taysom Hill and pulling Drew Brees off on third downs on the field. Often he's right but he's badly wrong this time. You run the ball, even if it's not going to get you a gigantic chunk of yardage, the clock becomes the 12th man, or in this case, the 13th or 14th, considering the Superdome and those fans. Breeze was not good yesterday. Again, I was at a wedding. I saw the first quarter of that game in a restaurant in Greenville, South Carolina, before I had to go get ready. And the game that I kept thinking of watching when I was watching the early stages of that game was actually the Titans-Cowboys Monday night football game where Dallas looked like they should have been up three touchdowns, like 21 to nothing in about 12 minutes, but settled for a field goal and then Dak threw a terrible interception that Kevin Byard picked off. They leave Tennessee in the game, and then the Titans woke up. The Saints had it in the red area twice early, came away with six points. Gurley made a big mistake. New Orleans had a chance to at least make it 10 to nothing, but that became the second field goal. Folks, if it's 20 to nothing in that building, it is over. It is over, but it wasn't. And then you get to the half, and Jared Goff finds Brandon Cooks very late in the second quarter, and it's 13 to 10. That felt like the Saints had lost, and they had a benefit of such a loud crowd that tiles were falling off in the hallways of the Superdome because the building was shaking so loud. And reportedly, the Rams' offensive line basically had to play that old children's game telephone down their personnel grouping, whispering into each other's ears just to communicate the signals. That's how loud it was. And it's 13 to 10 at the half because the Saints, for some reason, could not get into the end zone. Had a dropped touchdown. It appeared on that first drive in the end zone. And then it all of a sudden, it was just a struggle. And Drew Brees had a bad day. And then, yes, you get victimized by as bad a call as you're ever going to see. But that call dictated it because you left the Rams in the game, when you had a chance to snuff them out and make it a laugher long before you got to that point. Derek in Murfreesboro is up next. Derek, what's up? Hey, uh, I just had a couple more comments based on what you just said. Drew Brees didn't play well. There, there were a couple of times in that game where the, the clock ran out on the Saints. Two plays. Got down to zero. No flag. Hmm. And there was another play, and I, I'm not sure what the, the penalty would have been or what it should have been, but Michael Thomas, it was early in the third quarter. The Saints had not yet had a penalty called on them in the game. I don't know if anybody realizes that, but they had three penalties called on them in that 
entire game. So it was early in the third quarter, and the Saints were up 13-10. to 10, And there was a fade pattern called, and the, the pass was to Thomas. And he had, I think it was Roby Coleman who was guarding him in that game. I mean, in, on that play. And he was wide open, but the, the, the toss was maybe a little slow getting there, and Coleman caught up to the pass, and it bounced off the back of his helmet. And at that point, Michael Thomas basically ripped the helmet off of the DB, and it was right in front of the ref. I'm not sure why that wasn't called. I'm not even sure if it is a call, but it looked like it should have been unnecessary roughness or a personal foul against Thomas, and that would have put the ball back at the 17-yard line. Yeah, oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the call. You can you can extrapolate and talk about a whole lot of calls. There's bad officiating all day long. It wasn't a great officiated game that one. The AFC. A lot of people wanted to say every call went to the Patriots. That's really not the case. The bad call was the Chris Jones on Tom Brady call. That was inexcusably terrible. But most of the other stuff, at the very least, you could have argued it either way. The Patriots become an easy punching bag, which means anytime the referees do anything that favors New England. It becomes a meme on Twitter. I mean, I saw, you know, the first guest we ever had on this show was Jason McIntyre, who works for Fox. He's the big lead editor-in-chief. And he was saying he was sick yesterday because it was clear the NFL wanted the Patriots. Slow down. That's not really the way that this went down. However, that game did just infuriate me. When we come back, I'll explain to you why. It's a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Are you... We're giving you a chance to win $1,000 four times every weekday. 4K a day means free money for you on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the Big Six here on this Monday. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Celebrating his life and legacy. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. Jimmy Harper behind the glass. Spinning the dials radio style for me. Quote from Dr. King. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. It's real interesting how things that you read sometimes can come back to you. And obviously there are a lot of folks posting a lot of wonderful things today about Dr. King. And this is a quote that I had not seen from him or at least hadn't seen in a long, long time. And it it is something that I've been reading about as of late and something I've been trying to apply to my own life. And just let me, for just a second, encourage you to do similar things and to trade in positivity and to trade in love and to, to trade in grace and all of the things that maybe the world would tell you to shun for one reason or another. Because what you find out as you get a little bit older is that if you hate, you will be hated. If you mock people, you will be mocked. If you love people, if you give to people, if you're generous with your time, if you're kind, if you attempt patience, if you try to find humility at some places in your life, even though that's always going to be a struggle for all of us because we walk around with mirrors in front of our faces, thinking so much about ourselves that we're unable to see anything past it. If you trade in those things, if those things become the qualities that you want to possess, those things will come back to you. People gravitate to those things. And you will see the best in people if you give them the opportunity to show you their best 
by being your best around them. So that quote, I have decided to stick with love, hate is too great a burden to bear, is certainly one that we should keep in mind. I want to talk about NFL overtime really badly, but we've got callers on the line. If I don't get it, get to it tonight, I can go ahead and tell you tomorrow night's lead on the Big Six is going to be going after the NFL overtime rule. Drew in Antioch is up. Drew, what's up? What's up, Pastor J. Mark? Appreciate that, uh, that inspiring comment there, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I, I'd say this, uh, in the spirit of what you just said, I, I think that the coaching staffs of the two participants, at least in the AFC and NFC, shows us two different things. I think we can all bellyache about the refs because refereeing is hard. I got personal friends that referee at the college level, high school level, just referee period. And having relationships with people that actually referee, whether it's baseball or basketball or football, that's the toughest job nobody wants. I have a 12-year-old daughter that plays uh, middle school basketball, and I got a chance to talk to one of the referees, and we were kind of chatting up and laughing about how nobody wants to sign up anymore to actually mm-hmm. be referee because this is the stuff you get from a revisionist standpoint, especially crazy fandom uh, and pandemonium that we have as a, as a society. And, and I'll say this much. If you look at both games and both coaching staffs, the way Andy Reid lost compared to how uh, Sean Payton lost was night and day. And what's interesting is that both plays, even we saw with the Tom Brady call, you know, that didn't decide the game. What decided that game was D4 lining up in the neutral zone, something he yep. still learned in junior high school. Yep. What decided the, the Rams game was not the fact that the call was missed. You had a possession in overtime, and you went three and out. The other team got the ball, and you lost. And that's why, to me, all the belly aching around, oh, I, I saw it all over social media today. People say, if you're a Saints fan, I really feel bad for you because you got robbed. No, they didn't perform. They lost. And anytime you allow the referees to decide the game in your mind, even though the call was bad. Now, it, 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 I don't even attribute it to the tuck rule. Now, if, if a Patriots, at least a, if an Oakland Raiders fan said, man, the tuck rule really killed some things, I would agree because that really ultimately decided the game. But when you got a chance to get another possession and you're saying that the refs cost you the game and to see a head coach like Sean Payton, who was probably going to go down as one of the greatest coaches in the league history, and then you got an Andrew Reid that's never won a Super Bowl, still lose graciously, stop it. Uh, Sean Payne, and, and stop it, Saints fans, and, and NFL fans, stop blaming referees when, in fact, if it was your team, if it went the other way, just like the Rams fans, they're taking it and going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you, Drew, and I really appreciate your call. I agree with a lot of what you just said, and actually, there's an article, I think, at uh, TNHighSchoolFootball.com, which is Chad Withrow's uh, excellent high school football and high school sports website, that was written by somebody that basically was saying, look, parents, take it easy on these officials. We're having trouble getting people to referee on the high school level because of the abuse that they are taking verbally and otherwise from parents that are angry at what they're doing. It is a thankless, thankless, thankless job. It just is. So I know you have to do it well, and you're, you're on the NFL level. We expect all these calls to be right. They're just not going to be, be made. They're not going to be right. A lot of the times, there are going to be mistakes made. That doesn't excuse the mistakes. It does mean mistakes are going to happen. And in terms of the tuck rule, this was worse than the tuck rule because you could at least have an argument about the tuck rule. I think they got that call wrong. I think most people do. 
this one, there's no argument. There's no, I haven't seen a single human being say that that was not pass interference because it was the most obvious pass interference call of all time. And that's the problem for the league today because now you're getting calls to change the rule because of how overt, how egregious, how obvious this call was. Usually it's a much, much grayer color to the air when you're looking at those things. Tim in Shelbyville next. Tim, what's up? Yeah, I was wanting to address the overtime rule. Okay. I, I So do I. I just don't have the time to get into it the way I want to, so I'm going to save it for tomorrow, but go right ahead. Oh, uh, well, I just didn't think you were real fair for on Kansas City yesterday. You know, and I've seen it through the years. I've been watching football since the 60s. But there's got to be a solution for that. And I was thinking, you know, at the end of the – if it's tied at the end of the game – Give each team the ball on a two-minute drill. Say, start at the 30 or the 35-yard line. Give one team the ball on the flip of the coin. Let them do their two-minute drill with, one, say, one timeout during that time. And then give the other team the same opportunity on a two-minute drill. And if it and, it, and say, if you started on the 30-yard line and there's tides again after the two two-minute drills, Back the ball up tw- 10 yards to the 20-yard line and give them both a two-minute drill again yeah. with, with one timeout. Okay, all right, all right, Tim, i got to let you go just because we're getting towards the end. I'm going to try to get Ed's call in here real quick, but you're overthinking it. It doesn't even have to be that complicated. Like, there's a lot that you were trying to work in there. Um, tomorrow, like I said, off the lead of this show, I'm going to tell you that this is the worst rule in all of sports and that it does have to be fixed. And that it is so illogical and unfair that it makes you not even want to watch football when it comes down to something like that. So we will talk about it. I agree with the sentiment of what uh, Tim was saying there, but I think he was getting a little bit lost in the weeds coming up with too much. It doesn't have to be that complicated. It can be real simple, actually. Ed in Lebanon finishes us off. We've only got about 30 seconds, Ed. Get it in quick. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, on, on Sean Payton and the Saints, that call or non-call literally was the difference in the game for them. What I would have done if I was Sean Payton, I'd have pulled my players off the field. We would have let the Jumbotron run that thing over and over and show them the entire United States and let the NFL figure out how they want to handle it. All right, Ed. Appreciate that. Let's make you smarter on the way out the door. Quite the suggestion from Ed. Wasn't expecting that. Great last call, though. All right, so I'm going to talk about the overtime rule tomorrow. But here's a stat from Scott Kazmar, Football Outsiders. American Football League's where both teams get a possession in overtime. High school, college, CFL, Arena League, XFL, NFL Europe, World Football League since 74, the United Football League. Get it right, NFL. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.